this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. too much a uh, fan because you know it's hot as fucking balls yeah don't worry about it mine's on too <laughs> this is literally the same thing that lamb and i said when we started recording yeah, on thursday yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey i paid 200 dollars for a plug-in to pretend like there's not a fan in the background so oh, okay well see you're let's not mean. worry about it too much i'm not i'm not everybody listening probably has a fan in the background right now right so they just think it's theirs yeah i blame it on them <laughs> You got a week vacation, inadvertently. Oh, I know. <laughs> Feeling better? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, still, I don't know what it is. Like I, I think I've talked about it before. I need to go to the doctor. I need to figure out what's going on with my insides. Mm. That gut thing again, huh? Yeah, I'm going to try a diet. I'm going to try keto or something like that. Yeah, you should try the, maybe you have the uh celiac or yeah no i've made an, i've made enough fun of people with gluten problems that i probably have contracted it myself yeah i have <laughs> i have a friend who i have a friend who used to make fun of all that shit now he has continual gut problems i don't yeah, believe, no, i mean i don't necessarily believe in that kind of karma but you know no 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 it's just fu- it's just funny to make the point it's like yeah i never believed in it oh until i got it Damn it, now it exists. You know, it's like, oh, people with flaky skin or something like that. That never happened. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. And I used to tell anyway. people all the time, I don't get pimples. Except oh. when I was a teenager. And then I had one and I'm like, apparently I do. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just waiting to be an adult to have pimples. Yeah. In awkward places, too. Like, how does that happen on the tip of my nose? <laughs> <laughs> well, that I've started to realize as I've gotten older. Usually comes from if you're drinking from like pint glasses and things in bars very often. Uh, that's a good call. Because, um, I mean, having been on the back end of the bar world and seeing just kind of how, I mean, bartenders are lazy. <laughs> Especially with the rim jobs. A lot of, yeah, a lot of times they're back there and they're, you know, they like to put on the front, but sometimes, and I'm not saying all bartenders, but in my experience, a lot of times bartenders are lazy. And especially if they're given the 
the luxury of a barback. Mm-hmm. Now, and then even the barbacks are like overwhelmed because they're expected to do, you know, a lot of different shit. And I've watched them and, you know, number one rule, don't ever get a chilled glass. If you're going to yeah. drink beer or anything, never get a chilled glass because what happens is that they're most likely just going through it real quick and they, you can't trust that they've got those triple sinks, you know, organized correctly as far as the hot water, the bleach and the, the, uh, the sanitizer and the clean, all that stuff. Chances are what you're getting is last dunk is the sanitizer and that's going straight into the fridge. And now you just have a nice frosty glass of sanitizer. sanitizer. <laughs> and, yeah. I can't, I just literally, it's so funny. We're talking about this. I heard something the other day. They were talking about people getting something from drinks in bars mm. and somebody, you know, nothing like serious, you know, like colds or something like that. Right. And somebody's like, oh, alcohol is a sanitizer. I'm like, sure. <laughs> Pure grain alcohol is a sanitizer. Ever clear is not. <laughs> Beer is not strong enough to get you dr- drunk off of like three sips. It's not clean enough to, I mean, strong enough to kill an airborne illness. And you know, most people are ordering, you know, Coors Light and shit. That's just water. Yeah. I mean, even an IPA couldn't do it, right? If no, you can't light I, it on fire, it won't kill a germ. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're not, you're not going to be out in the wilderness and going to, you know, Avoid getting sepsis or gangrene or some shit from pouring a, a heavy stout on your fucking leg. Yeah, I'm pretty sure putting yeast into a wound. Yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like, oh, now I have an infection and a yeast infection. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, welcome all back. That, all about that craft beer life. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. I, I feel I feel better, but you know, I just. I don't know. It happens. It's life. I'm old. It happens. And right now, I think it would be the best time if you were getting over something because you're going to sweat anything out of you. Oh, yeah. Anybody anybody not in California right now, anybody not in the Bay Area right now, it's really hot. Like, uh, what's that that thing I I sent you guys today? It was like 96, but feels like 104. Yeah. Yeah. Sweatier than Satan's balls or something. Satan's steaming sack. Yeah. Have you seen I mean, have you ever seen that app? It's Carrot Weather. No, I have not. I was actually gonna look that up and ask you about it because I was it must have been a non iPhone thing because I saw it said add widget. So, yeah, I could it's it, I paid five dollars or something like that, or I don't know, fifteen dollars, mm. something like that to get the snarky responses. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can you can dial it up and it'll tell you it's fucking hot or <laughs> it's gonna be fucking sunny. And I'm like yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the kind of person that that, yeah, that might seem silly to everybody else, but to me, I'm like, that's 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 made for me. That's how I want <laughs> it to be given to me. Yeah, exactly. That's and it gets you in a robot voice too. It's great. Oh, beautiful. It's going to be fucking sunny. Today. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I mean, I'm cloud sure. looks like two rabbits fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure anybody else, you know that lives in areas where it is hot is just like, oh, come on, get the fuck over it. But, you know, to go from a stark contrast, I mean, I, I run hot anyway, so I don't care where I go. If it's hot, I'm fairly miserable. Yeah, and I, the thing too is it's humid. We're not used to hu- as much humidity. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, I'm, Decent humidity, but fuck. Yeah, no, all day today I thought something was crawling down my leg, but it was just sweat. Yeah, and but, I'm, in a, I'm in a carpeted room right now. Which, yeah, so am I. So am I. And I'm in the front room of the house, which um, just takes all sunlight all day so it's just been you know accumulating like a camel just kind of storing up all the heat 
I got the windows open, but still, I'm I'm sitting here practically naked. I look like a piece of uh, silly putty that got rolled around in the bottom of a barbershop floor. <laughs> I bought a I bought a kiddie pool for the dog just to throw him in it, <laughs> keep him cool. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Go all out for him. Yeah, the best thing about it is it's. <laughs> It's pink. It was the only one they had. It's pink and has rainbows and unicorns on. <laughs> I would use that. Well, I was thinking. I'm like, uh, I'm. You know, the first couple times I take him in there because he's a little skittish about things. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get in there with him. I'm like, mm-hmm. the neighbor happens to peek over the fence and sees <laughs> in, a, in a pink kiddie pool, blow up kiddie pool with rainbows and <laughs> unicorns on it as, as a little lap dog. It's like, hmm, what's going on over there? I don't think I want him around the children. I don't know. Actually, I think that sounds like a party. Party. Party in the pool. The tiny pool where everybody can put one foot in. That's a weird party. That's disgusting. That's a foot fetish party. I just don't... I mean, I just don't trust everybody's feet. (laughs) There's other parts of their bodies that I I trust less. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if it's... My point is, if you got a bad foot, eh, I can probably... Tell you by the rest of it's probably yeah, mm, that's yeah. true. Usually, what what do they say? Uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah, yeah. That's so you, if you're a half-ass washer on your foot, you're probably not doing a good job anywhere else. And it's probably not you know maybe not be intentional, but you know just it just means you can overlook things. You know, yeah. I got I just bought a new floof or foof or poof or whatever they called. You know, the little little ball of plastic sheets they turn into a little. Scrubber. I spot one. Oh, one. I know what you mean. Well, it was called poofs. I think it's called a poof. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's called. I know exactly I, I, what you're talking about. Yeah, it's got the little rope on it, and it's yeah. just yeah. It's a, it, nice, nice hot pink one. Uh, no, this one's white. Ah, I, 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 was, I feel weird about buying things to clean with white things. I'm like, I'm not yeah, sure I want to know how like dirty the, I was. I feel like that fishing line <laughs> plastic doesn't really retain stains all that much. So yeah, it's good. Point. We're good. That's true. I don't know. I'll find out. Be an experiment. I'll let you know next week. I last time when we had when we had coffee, I I, t- I teased you that I had follow up on something. Oh yeah, so I do have follow up. Uh, been oh yeah. I think Bring you're gonna enjoy this follow up. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else is gonna enjoy it as well. Yes. For for anybody that uh, doesn't remember, several episodes ago or several Tom episodes ago, we talked about Fatiana. <laughs> <laughs> and friend of the show, Nova, found something on the internet and sent me a screenshot. So what I'm going to read, these are not her words. This okay. is just something she found found, found, found on the internet. Tatiana. It can stand for that hoe over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thoughts usually have lost their virginity at a young age oh. and loves partying. I'm reading the words exactly as they are. Perfect. A thought is usually active on social media, especially Instagram and Snapchat. On Instagram, she can be found in pictures of her in the heart filter and is usually half naked. Mm -hmm. On Snapchat, she is most likely posting videos of her obnoxiously obnoxiously lips. Oh, I think it's supposed to say lip syncing to rap songs Uh, mm -hmm. while playing with her hair, thinking (laughs) she looks like Kim K. (laughs) I'm I'm guessing that's Kim Kardashian. I would assume so. Uh, Probably wears Calvin Klein, Jordans, Pink Victoria's Secrets. And the Victoria's Secrets in parentheses is pink like a subdivision of Victoria's Secret. Yeah, they, yeah, it's like a different brand or like a brand within the brand. Okay, I think the first time I read it, I was just imagining pink underwear. Yeah, no, um, yeah. I like that better probably. <laughs> um, and Nike hats. 
She thinks she's the perfect girl and she doesn't care what anyone thinks about her. Mm-hmm. It may come across as a fake, conceited, shallow, dumb bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but deep Again, down, not Chad's words. <laughs> but deep down, she is insecure. And unfortunately, the only way she gets confidence is by getting validation from men on social media by posting pictures showing off her figure. Mm. Is, that the, is that the busting down part? Uh, no, I think I, I'm not sure because what I read when we looked up bust down that, that was just kind of like basically shove their face down and screw them. Oh, that's what that's one of the things I read. I don't know if that's true. Okay. Um, next time you you see a thought, be nicer to them. They still haven't developed fully yet. But hey, if you're a thought, embrace it and bust down, Tatiana. <laughs> Okay, I did, there's so many things to be said about this. But what I find particularly interesting about this is the faux politeness of this thing, right? Oh, yeah. 80% of it is talking shit, calling this person fake, conceited, right. shallow, dumb bitch. And, yeah. at the end, and then at the end, maybe just to save face publicly saying, but it's not their fault. Yeah, no, give them a hug. Hug your yeah. local Fatiana. Yeah, when well, you can say all this shit about them behind their back, but you know, if you're going to post up a couple paragraphs online, make sure that you say that. You know, oh, she doesn't care what people think about her, but then two sentences later, I'm saying that she has no self confidence. I'm suspect to these kind of terms. Ah, the internet. Yes. So, for everybody that wanted to know that from Tom and me, <laughs> from the two most. Uh, uh, Please, prominent tune- experts and uh, voices on the. The, on the topic of, of hip hop and R and B lyrics, <laughs> <laughs> please please tune in for the further adventures of white guys talking about stuff yeah. that people don't actually want them to talk about. Yeah, for that demographic, you know, when they see that who 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 are we reaching right now? And it's the like you know the eighteen to twenty fours. We're that always that low percentage of you know mid thirties to uh, late forties. <laughs> Yeah, we're reading this to people just as confused by the terminology as we are. Probably. Well, you know, I've, I've shown that song to a couple more people since then. and Did their brains melt? It just the looks on the faces is always just like like Mowgli when he tries to smile in Jungle Book. <laughs> mixed, mixed with like, oh shit, what did I just do? Mixed with, the fuck is that smell? <laughs> oh, like in uh, Friends, what, what Joey calls fart acting. Yeah, so... It was just a mixture of that. And then, again, I couldn't get through like a minute of the song. Um, yeah, I think the... But it's like, it, you know, it's slowly growing on me because it is so bad. It like does get stuck in my head. The The most egregious part of that song really is the fact that he has absolutely no rhythm <laughs> and he's completely out of key. Well, that's, you know, that's another, that's a whole other style though these days of like... And, I, and the, the conversation I had to, you know, have to be aware and to actually defend the song and you know that style and everything that happens is if i played some people like some old school jazz where you got a dude fucking skitting and scatting you know like cab calloway fucking you know going all ki- making all kinds of funny noises and kind of make you know stretching his voice out and going all kinds of you know going crazy as he does it's no different than these guys that don't open their mouth all the way and kind of like talk as if they're high as fuck on Valium and fucking Robitussin. Um, I still feel like if you're going to rap though, you got to be on rhythm. 
That's kind of a rule. You know, and and we're talking about someone, one of my favorite, and I'm I'm not, first of all, I'm not just because I'm about to say I have a favorite rapper. I'm not going to say that I am a hip hop (laughs) connoisseur, but my favorite is RZA from Wu-Tang. And he's someone who goes off rhythm all the time. Yeah. But it's it's like it's on purpose, and then the way he brings it back. Yeah, he's got a bit of eloquency to what he's doing. Yeah, it's like broken on purpose. It's kind of like that's why I think of when you say jazz. It's like jazz, where it's like I'm going to go off the rhythm here, mm-hmm. but then when I come back, you'll understand that I knew what I was doing the whole time. Yeah. But this guy just sounds like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like I, mean, no. I could do better than that. I, I'm positive of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try, so don't I ask. I, I think I hear you know material for a future. Uh, uh, Patreon piece. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say if I got twenty new patrons tomorrow, I would do it. Cover of <laughs> I would do it. Oh Lord! I would embarrass myself for twenty new patrons. I like this. I like we make this happen. Um. No. Yeah. So that that I I felt like that was an important follow up. You know, sometimes oh, we we have to follow up on these hard hitting journalism that we do. It is. it is and it helps me because, you know, in my furthering adventures of of thoughtism, um <laughs> I get to have a little bit more, you know, in my in my tank a little bit more to bring up, a little bit more to add to the conversation because uh I, I think you just named the episode <laughs> <laughs> my adventures in thoughtism. Further adventures in thoughtism. <laughs> Oh, oh, that might be taken the wrong way. It does sound a little too close to autism, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't have a problem with being a little bit um, antagonistic. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, what's the word not I'm even spelled the same, so we don't have to worry about it. What's the What's the word where you provocative? There's the yeah. word provocateur. So uh, here's a question: uh, Does your brain slow down when it's hot? Yes, and I actually like okay. I was, so it's not just me. No, yeah, and I was having this conversation. Um, I think it was actually this morning because it was hot as shit going to bed. Because I mean, my house doesn't have AC, so I got to rely yeah, on lights out throughout the day. Um, you know, blinds closed, fans going, and then as soon as it kind of changes to start to cool down a little bit, windows open, fans going to kind of circulate the air, and then just hope that it's chilly enough at night to where I get kind of some bit of, uh, you know. Uh, a break in the in the air temp, but uh, I fucking went to sleep so so hot last night, and I woke up this morning just stressed the fuck out because I had minor flashes of remembering like dreams, but I just know that I kept waking up in the sense of like stress and like kind of anxiety, and it just causes me. And I, I think about it in the past, and it has happened multiple times, and it's like my head just feels like it's working harder, and I think the heat just brings out like my just my despair in just being and existing. So yeah, I have like my, one of my, my problems is, you know, like um, most of, most of my time, well, I want to say it like that. Cause it sounds like I'm trying to like be a fucking show off or something. A lot of time I spend on my own is reading, whether yeah. it's, you know, whether it's uh, books or, you know, articles or whatever, just, I, I, I read a lot. Um, but when my brain is like slowed down like this in the heat, I have a real, real problem concentrating. So sometimes I'm like, I'm reading something. I'm like, I'm bored. Yeah. And it's because I can't like fully get immersed in it. And yeah, I, feel like, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we should, the, the, you know, the, the great writers who have come from places with hot climates, you know, if uh, mm-hmm. Egyptian novelists and, you know, um, 
even people from Arizona <laughs> or, or from the South or, you know, from down near the Amazon, you know, yeah. any, any of those people that have written great books deserve probably three times more credit than they get because they have to be fighting through this haze all the time. Yeah. Cause you're definitely, uh, kind of building up a kind of almost becomes your identity, you know, cause if you're stuck in it and it's just, it's part of who you are, it's part of your makeup now. Um, because you have to have any like a, a type of comfortability to to read something, a type a certain level of comfortability to write something, you know, for your brain to function. Unless you know, but that doesn't, I guess, have to be a hundred percent infallible statement. It could be, you know, great things and stuff can come from uh, the opposite: uncomfortability and turmoil. And um, yeah, but the consistency of it is the strength, right? Where you're like, I wrote one book when it was really hot. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wrote all my books when it was hot. It's fucking hot. Yeah. Uh, okay, now that's a different level of commitment. <laughs> yeah. I, not to mention, you know, the the just the, the I suppose people that live in hot climates maybe are used to this, but just the smarmy, disgusting feeling of your body yeah. when it's hot. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, have you ever been to the South? Mm-hmm. I when I went to New Orleans for the first time, the only time, it was so hot, and I remember just sitting outside going, oh. God, what do you do? Yeah. You know, like, just like I wanted to pat down every part of my body. Yeah. And you just get used to it, I guess. I don't know. I, I was in Florida, um, like just after like middle school. So sometime around what being, what was it 14, 15? Um, and it was like, yeah, it just, it was my kind of first, or no, actually the first memory I have of like super humidity it's, uh, was in Virginia going to like, um, mm, yeah. Washington. And, um, Oh God, just like, I never, as a child being like, Oh, I thought I only got this wet when I was in the pool. Like you're just constantly dripping moist, you know, like, and even going to Chicago, it blew me away when I went last September. Like that fuck, I didn't realize it got that fucking hot over there. Like I'm walking around and same thing. I'm like, I feel like I'm back in Florida or fucking, you know, Texas where just everything is, I mean, Texas is a little bit more dry, but it just causes you to sweat. And you're just going to, you know, for at least for me, and you're just going to be moist all the time. So I'm just like, you know, I feel like I just took all my clothes out of the the, the wash just a little bit too early. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I can't, you can't, I don't know, for me, I can't sleep comfortably because mm-hmm. I'm sleeping inside moisture. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's a different type of living. And it's, I know people that can do it easy, but for me, yeah. The worst I ever had was I went to Bosnia once mm-hmm. and I don't know what the temperature was there, but it was the hottest of anywhere that I've ever been. Yeah. Um, with the exception of one time that I was in, was I in Reno? Yeah, I was in Reno and it was 115. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't go outside, so I didn't really experience it. But when I was in Bosnia, we were in like a out. Like a, a rural place, mm-hmm. we weren't in a city, so like the the hotels were really just kind of like houses. Yeah. So you come outside, and I remember I walked outside. I was wearing nothing but a tank top and shorts, and I walked outside, and it was like one, two, three. Oh God! And I had to go back <laughs> inside, and I had to discover why men use talcum powder in their pants in hot climates. Oh yeah. Because if you don't, you will just 
I mean, you will tear up your legs <laughs> because wet cotton against skin back and forth as you walk all day. I, oh, I, I shouldn't say just men. I, I suppose the same thing would happen to women too. Of course. We, we just happen to have <laughs> something that exacerbates the situation dangling there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got a little bit extra. I think, you know, you get a little bit extra fabric down there. You get a little bit extra fur. Some people, you know, you got a little bit more things causing friction. Um, but, uh, no, I agree. I, uh, I've never partaken in the powder, um, of of any sort. Um, and, uh, but I could see the, I could see the benefits, you know, I, I literally, I had no, I don't remember who told me somebody's like, Oh, just put some baby powder. I'm like, what the fuck? No, that's gross. And then you do it and you're like, uh, I understand. I love this. This is my thing now. This is who I am. I feel like I'm again instead of like <laughs> a, a, a dripping wet savage from, you know, like I just came out of the swamp. Yeah. And that's why they call it swamp ass. Yeah. No, it's also because it's, Although like it's really little, the ass, right? It's like a little micro, uh, um, little mini ecosystem inside <laughs> your butt cheeks. <laughs> little microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, what's it? Uh, ger- gerarium. Oh, or a terrarium with the little f- f- with the moss. Yeah, but the the, the 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 gerarium is the is the one with water in it. Is that what the difference is? I think yeah. I think the main difference is one of them. It's like a fish tank without fish. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I'm not an expert in it. Was just uh, it was we're not experts on anything. No, <laughs> no. I'll fucking talk about it. I'll bring it up. I'll fucking introduce it and then just, oh, what? No, no, I don't know any more about it. We'll just leave that at be. I just wanted to mention it just because I look like I sound, I look like I sound, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what I, I watched hate- last week um, for the first time? I don't know why I bought it like a year ago, but I finally sat down and watched Hateful Eight. Have you seen that? Uh, I have yet to see that one. I, I would always skim over it if it came up on um, borrowed uh, Netflix or, you know, movie streaming um, apps but uh yeah no i haven't i mean i'm aware of it and i feel like uh i know enough of what's going on that i wasn't like excited enough about it to like just sit through and see the the two what is it two half hours of whatever it is it has two hours and 45 minutes yeah yeah so um i don't know i I was around to it eventually I went into it with like zero expectations yeah um i mean i like quentin tarantino don't get don't get me wrong but like like the way it was described, I was like, meh, whatever. And then I started watching it. And like the first, I think it's the first hour and a half or the first hour, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I love this movie. This movie is so good. I love old Westerns. Like, yeah, I, like I love uh, Sergio Leone, you know, like Once Upon a Time in the West. And, yeah. and that, or uh, even McCabe and Miss Miller with um, Warren Beatty. Yeah. And, and the, the first hour and a half, it kind of felt like one of those movies. Mm-hmm. I was like... Oh, is this gonna be? Is this gonna be his masterpiece for me? You know, like everybody has like yeah. one piece by an artist where you like this is that one is that that's mine. Yeah, you could erase all other things they did. Just leave me that one. Exactly. And I was really feeling that way. And then all of a sudden, he just shit the bed. <laughs> like literally, like the the next like hour and forty minutes or whatever. I was. I mean, it's all right, but I was like, man, you fucked it up. You just ruined it. Mm. <laughs> And I haven't been that bummed out by watching a movie in a long time because um, I was so into it. And then it just, he got too Tarantino. (laughs) 
You know, it's it's like it was like somebody that was trying to be Tarantino and it was doing a really good job of it, but almost too good of a job of it. Yeah, where you're like, wow, this is you know, like this is feeling like a a gritty western. And then like the you know, like the the over the over exaggerated like um, you know, exploding blood from Kill Bill. Yeah, shit like that comes in, and you're like, oh, dude, yeah, it's like unnecessary. You didn't need it. You didn't need it. Or my okay, I'm not I'm not ruining anything about the movie because trust me, there are lots. It is a long fucking movie, so this isn't a plot point. But hour and a half in the movie, the thing that ruined it for me, well, t- two things is number one, Samuel L. Jackson, who is doing a very good job of, of playing, um, someone from that time. I don't know what the time is. You know, it's after the Civil War, so what? I don't. They don't yeah, tell you exactly what year it is, but he's wearing like a. Civil War uniform, so it's close to after. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's a and he's a Union soldier, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's black, so he'd have well, to. Be. That does not. Uh, there was. I don't think. I don't think they had any. The rebels didn't have any black soldiers. They just didn't. go on. I, I don't think they did. They might have had them. Remember, that's what they were supposedly fighting over. So there's more to the anyway. Anyway, there's more to the Civil War than just. Of course there was. It was about states' rights and a whole bunch of other crap and and economics and everything. Just like now, we hide everything behind one thing. But that was the, the, we'll say the publicized issue. Anyways, Mm -hmm. so he's doing a good job. And then all of a sudden he starts talking about his dick. And he's not using words from 18 whatever. Yeah. Okay. He's using words like Johnson. Right. um, Dingus. And I'm like, oh, Tarantino, come on now. You know better. And and it's, and it's like, oh, he's just, okay, I can live with it. If that's it, you know, it's, it's only like three times. Mm-hmm. And then literally an hour and a half into the movie, Tarantino comes in as a narrator. You haven't had a narrator for the first hour and a half, and then suddenly we have a narrator. No, no, can't do it. That's like something you do just like, <laughs> I'm being so clever right now. It's like, now you shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> See, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. I can't, you know, that kind of inconsistency and just kind of, uh, you know, kind of sporadic way of thinking. And not to mention, he's a shitty narrator. Well, yeah, you ever heard an interview of him? Yeah, narrators have like really <laughs> strong reading voices. Tarantino yeah. does not have one of those voices. Now, if, if fucking Morgan Freeman pops up on there and starts telling me what the fuck's going on, talking about right. and fucking who hates, I'm into it. Yeah, so I I was just so bummed. I was like, ah. Oh. So now my I think my rule is just going to be I watch the first hour and a half of that movie over and over again and it's like watching a movie. <laughs> some movies are only an hour and a half long. <laughs> Cuz I really like the beginning and it was such a good setup. You know like the 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 thing about the the narrator that's even more annoying is the reason that first hour hour and a half is so burp number 1. Um it's so good is because you're not positive what's going on and it, everything is just kind of stacking up and you're, you're, and you're going, okay, so oh, maybe this is the situation. Maybe this is it. And that's kind of what's propelling that whole part is that nobody's there explaining to you what's going on. So like there's this mystery piling up and as a, and in a good way. And it was very masterfully done to where you, it's, it's compelling. You're like, I want to find out what's, what's up with this guy. Okay. Wait, is this guy, this guy good or is this guy bad? And then all of a sudden you have blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, dude, I know you could do it without the narrator. 
but he's he's obsessed with that um, Alfred Hitchcock thing of being a cameo in every one of his movies. And I think like when you have such a condensed plot and such a condensed cast, mm-hmm. the only way that he could think to maybe to be make his cameo was as a narrator. Yeah, but which is just awful. But what do you like? I mean, maybe you're not trying to like you know copy or emulate you know just any other or particular movie or selection of movies from you know back in the day or whatever but it's like where does that where can you even kind of parallel that to who else did that where halfway through the movie all of a sudden they just come in and just start narrating like i don't i can't recall that being part of any successful film i've ever seen yeah that's like uh, the one one i this is not a successful film by any shape of the imagination but there was a movie was it charlie's theron something about the face where mm-hmm. she had face blindness like face she could, blindness? Yeah, where you can't recognize... You, you see people's faces. It's a, This is a real thing. Yeah. Um, you see people's faces, but you don't recognize them as themselves. Interesting. You know, like you look at your father, you're like, that's not my father. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of the movie, but that movie literally brought in a narrator to end the movie. <laughs> okay, no, I can understand, like, you know, on the way out, you know. Like, but it was so weird. It felt so broken. Where it's yeah. Like, I guess there's a good, or the right way to do anything. Um. And you gotta start with one if you're gonna end with one. I feel like, yeah, like introduce it like a narrator for the like real quick in the beginning to say something, and then a little bit at the end to take something out. Right? Yeah, yeah. like a like a play, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's the kid reading the book, and like back in 1842, there was a man named Tom Joad. Yeah. <laughs> and then the play starts, and then right. at the end, it's like Tom it, Joad died. Tom Joe got buried under a rock with a frog and a piece of nickel. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. That's, okay. um, next, yeah. next week, Tom, jo- the adventures of Tom Joad. <laughs> the ghost of Tom Joad. <laughs> frog and his nickel. He's got a frog and a nickel. Watch out. Here comes Tom. But only piece of a nickel. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I... I I, I don't know what else to say about that movie. It's just such a bummer. I was so another, bummed. Yeah. Another thing about the movie that made me not want to watch it is because I was going to get mad and I've seen it too many times already is uh, the guitar smashing scene. Because, oh, yeah. Because what happened, <laughs> people don't know what happened. They had, and it doesn't make sense to me that they would do this. And I almost feel like it's a, a case of um, like, showing off or just, you know, okay. So what they did is they brought in a, a period, correct, uh, very rare, um, like 1800s, uh, Martin acoustic guitar that, um, obviously from a lot of, not many things from that time frame survive and survive in good condition. So being able to have one that is still in very nice condition and playable and, you you know be like oh I would have thought this would have been made yesterday kind of thing, um, so the the Martin people from the you know and Martin is one of the oldest you know most well known guitar makers you know it's like anybody's seen Martin everybody's seen Elvis play guitar that acoustic was playing Martin Johnny Cash played Martins Elton John uh, or not John, John Lennon Eric uh, Clapton Eric Clapton you know unplugged I was a Martin list goes on and on and on. And uh, 
That should be clarified. He means acoustic guitars, of course. Too. Acoustic guitars, yeah. And so they brought in from the Martin Museum a period piece, like perfect condition. Uh, I can't remember the, the model. Is, is, most all those back in the day were, um, at that time, were parlor-sized. So they were small. They looked yeah. like little... They're kind of peanut-shaped. Peanut um, not all of them. This one, I believe... This one was, for the, sure. From the sound, was it okay? Because yeah. um, she, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, they it play it first, but that's the thing. Is what I'm saying is, so they brought that in, and this the whole movie was, or the the whole scene was already designed that it was going to get smashed, and they had gotten that guitar to be played, and then there was going to be a break in the filming, and then there was going to be a they're bringing in a stand and smashable guitar. Now, <clears throat> you can get. A for filming purposes, just visually, I have one in my bedroom right now. A guitar that looks identical to that is still playable, is cheap as shit, and you can smash it no problem. Why would you go that extra bit and run the risk of something happening to it? Because what happened is there wasn't a cut in the filming, and um, Kurt Russell grabs the guitar out of her hands and smashes against the wall. Yep. Now, Explain to me the thought process behind that. Well, I, because I, I don't, I don't know that Jennifer Jason Lee knew that was going to happen. No, she didn't because the her reaction in the movie yes. is genuine. Like, holy shit! Oh, what the fuck? That's why she looks. She I looks. Fr- she freaks out and then she looks over like behind camera because the people were there. Like the the owners of the guitar, the Martin people were there. The whole you know um, uh, film crew was standing there watching and. Um, Somehow it didn't get, I don't know, get relayed clearly enough to um, Kurt Russell. But her See, reaction... I didn't, I didn't even know her. the story. Yeah. And I remember when I watched the scene and I was like... And it struck me in that scene. We're like, wow, that was the most authentic reaction that I've ever seen. Because she's literally freaking <laughs> out because she knows... What she goes, is. no, don't. <laughs> yeah. like, no, don't do that. Yeah. That's what she says. Yeah. Um, so Wow, I did not know that story. Yeah. So every time I see that scene, and it pops up all the time in a lot of the um, uh, guitar stuff, you know, and discussions and things like that. So it was a uh, 1870-ish um, on loan from the Martin Guitar Museum. And yeah, there was just, there's no longer, okay. And also too, that has now made it to where Martin no longer loans guitars from their museum to fucking films or anything. Right. But why would you do that in the first place? Because They're like, no, like, sorry. Have somebody no, build it. Look, even even the most like eagle-eyed guitar expert that I know or have ever met or have never met that's out there is not gonna see. And there's a way to cut it. I mean, if it's if it's gonna, you know, if you can get the ones that are done well enough to where it doesn't have anything modern on it, it has the same kinds of ornate, you know, pearl inlays and all that kinds of stuff, the rosettes and all that kind of stuff, you can get it. And no one's going to be the wiser. There's going to be like, oh, hey, and cool. It's, yeah, a, they it's a Quentin like, Tarantino theory, a movie too, right? Right. So even still, even if it was a little funky, you'd be like, hey, wait a second. Um, you know, like, like in Back to the Future, right? Back to the Future, the Marty McFly, Johnny B. Good whole section replays at the dance. Right. Uh, Robert Zemeckis went to uh, Norman's Rare Guitars uh, down in Tarzana. I don't know if he was in 
Tarzan at that time, but done in Southern California, LA area. He was one of the biggest names in, you know, vintage and used guitars and guitars in general. Um, and was like, hey, you know, we're doing this piece, doing this movie. It's a period, yada, yada, 1950s. This is the, you know, um, 1955, blah, blah, blah. We need something for this. So Norm goes, okay, here, this is... And they, you know, we're kind of telling them the, the, the story and the connection, I think, um, was already set with uh, Chuck Berry and his husband, Marvin Berry, being the guy that had his slight hand sliced open. So he wanted something similar to that. So he shows him like, yeah, here, this is what you need. You know, uh, I don't know if he actually offered him a Gibson um, ES-335 or something that was out during the mid-50s. And he showed him a bunch of different guitars. And Zemeckis and I think probably some of the other people were looking at him and going through them and all of a sudden saw another one. And they're like, oh, no, we want that one. He's like, well, that that's a, you know, like a late 50s, early 60s. Like, yeah, but it it looks, you know, kind of more futuristic. He's like, Well, yeah, that's because it is from the future in your period. <laughs> like it's <laughs> that guitar didn't so anybody that watches the movie, that one is more noticeable because it's a very clear, like there's stuff that's added on those on that guitar, and there's things about it that didn't exist in nineteen fifty-five. You know, right. there was certain things, the pickups and all that, you know, the, the selector, all that kind of stuff. So that I can understand. That one's another one of the big ones where people are like, yeah, it's the wrong guitar. But then it's like, you try to make the whole, like, the, the fan theory. Have you, I don't know if you've ever read, like, through, like, the the underlying backstory of fan theories or fan extended stories of what happened to stuff during the Back of the Future. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but no, people I, try to say, like, oh, you just... commit suicide, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, he's from the future, so maybe, like, the guitar got brought, or there was another visit, or, you know, he's not the only Marty McFly, and blah, blah, blah. No. It's just you know a mystic, um, and it was solely they did it. They did it because, and they didn't. No, they no longer felt more desire to have a period correct piece. They just wanted something that visually looked cooler. Now with the Hateful Eight, you only had so much going on as far as aesthetics and design and that kind of stuff on a guitar like that that would be with someone of that, you know, of that type and that type of place. And it's very, there's so many companies now making guitars that are cheap like that, that look identical. And from, you know, half a room away on film, like you're not going to notice the difference. When you have as much money as Tarantino had to make that movie, you could have paid a prop guy to make the exact that's, guitar you wanted. And and that's what I mean. That's why I feel like the the fact of it was like bragging and it was like trying to gloat, being like, look what I had in my movie. It made our so like we had a piece that was like literally like from the the eighteen seventies, you know, it was like we had a part of the spirit of that time with oh shit, it's gone. Gone you lost know, forever. You know what I wish he would have had? A better script. <laughs> just everything better. He should have just not made that movie. Uh, not after the first half. Yeah, no, he just just made the first half. Just stop it. there. And be like, yeah, the just end. Day, man. No, exactly. And you know what? That probably would have done better because it was bring, it's bringing it back to the old. Like, remember when movies were only like you know an hour. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the hell just happened? Maybe he could start a whole new trend. Could have been like, yeah. whoa, what was I watching the other day? Forty five minute movie. Something from the eighties. Oh, it was. Um, have you ever? You know the movie House about the ghost house? Oh yeah. Okay, they made a second one, House Two. Oh, and then the third one, Ghost Horse. 
ghost horse. Oh no, sorry, that was my movie. The movie in your head. You remember my ghost ghost horse story? Oh yes. Sorry, <laughs> I gotta make that. Anyway, go on. Damn it. See, slow brain. Heat. I know. Heat. Heat. Not making the connections. Heat. But anyway, good movie. Well, I'm watching. Okay, movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching House Part 2. The reason I'm watching this is I don't know why. Uh, it, maybe it's just the time that it came out. Sometimes when, when we were younger, because we grew up in a television, uh, you know, when things are on the air, that's what you get to watch. Um, yeah. Maybe you have something on VHS. Maybe you don't. Maybe it just happened to be that House played a lot. House 2 played a lot in reruns. But that was like one of my movies when I was younger. I'm like, oh, man, I used to love this movie. But I couldn't really remember it. I'm like, I'm totally going to watch this. And what is just incredible about movies from the 80s, I think Lam and I talked about this months and months ago and talking about weird science was how little they gave a shit about stuff that they fret about so much now. Like, oh, yeah. Like now, you know, like we really, we, that first uh, half hour of a movie at least now is just, it's so important that they, you know, that you understand how everything happens logically. And I'm not making fun of it. I think it's great. But there's also something amazing about how a movie from the 80s can do the same thing in three minutes. Yeah. No, like, like montages. It was just like nowadays you're, they're so worried about, you know, um, like continuity, fake, mm-hmm. uh, things tying in, um, not over explanation, not too little explanation. You know, it's like it's so all over the place. They're trying to make everything just so like... Uh, I don't want to say perfect because none of it's ever come out perfect. But um, in the '80s, yeah, like you're saying, it's, it was just kind of some. You watch some '80s movies, and it's just like sporadic. And it's like, yeah. oh shit, how did we end up here? I mean, you watch it back then, and it's like, okay, this makes sense. But like, you watch <laughs> watch it now, and you're like, oh fuck, I thought we were just okay. Yeah, I'm I'm down with this. I get it. I'll, I'll just accept this. It's just it's kind of you know. No real rhyme or reason. It's like, well, it's it's going in line of what we're saying. It's this happened after that, so it's uh, it's a good. I don't care if it was six years apart. I don't need explanation on that. Yeah, there's like no like no explanation. Part no connection either. Yeah, the the no exp- I mean the no explanation of things. I think sometimes is nice because some movies fucking overexplain things. Where you're like, okay, I don't need a physics lesson. Yeah, <laughs> just it happened. How about that? Just it blew up. We don't know why. Move on to yeah. the next scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not important but, to the story. Like in this movie, have you ever seen it? Uh, it's been a long time, so I can't okay. Remember. So that there's, it's it, for everybody who hasn't seen it, which is probably almost everybody listening. It's not a, it was a very popular movie. Um, the house is kind of, I guess, the best way to say it's kind of haunted, uh, sort of. Um, but there's like portholes to other places. Like a one room becomes a jungle. Don't know why it just happens. One room becomes a jungle. It all has to do with this crystal skull, essentially. Um, so they're, they find a hole in the wall and the hole in the wall seems to go into like, what is, I assume a Mayan temple or something. It's it's like, it's South American of some sort, Mayan, Incan. They don't explain any of it. There's a human sacrifice going on. So they go to climb into this. And the way that they find it is they brought this repair guy in to fix something and he pulls on a cord and the cord just rips a hole in the wall. and. So they go in, and they and this guy opens his toolbox. By the way, it's the guy playing Norm on Cheers, John <laughs> Rathenberger. He opens his toolbox and pulls out a sword and says, "Wait for me." <laughs> Goes with them, right? No, I'm not thinking anything of this. There's no explanation of why this guy is what he is, and he gives him a business card at the end that says, "You know, like a handyman and adventurer." 
like, okay, that's funny. But then um, he's packing up his toolbox again. And then it hits me. I'm like, his toolbox isn't long enough to hold a sword. A sword. <laughs> you know, this is a full, you know, like a, what, what, you know, a normal sword. What is that? Like two, two and a half feet long? At least. At least, right? And this, you know, this toolbox is like maybe, maybe 18 inches. So it's, it's just really like those little things that just happen. Or, you know, the guy starts a movie. He moves into this house with a girlfriend. And then there's a party, I'd say a fourth of the way through the movie. And this other girl shows up and kisses him. And then that girl gets mad. There's no explanation who this other girl is ever. He knows her. Mm. He hides her in a closet. I'm sorry. <laughs> where you find her drunk later with a bottle of champagne. No. And then they, they oh, okay, I'll take her home. No explanation who she was. Or why I, she's there. None at all. You never see her again. You never hear about her again. You never hear from her again. So absolutely no explanation why she's in the movie at all. All right. And then the girlfriend from the beginning leaves him. And I'm I'm watching it and I'm going, why didn't you just have him move in single? And then you like this. Literally, those girls have nothing to do with the movie. They just. I I mean, it's like I'm baffled by it, but at the same time. Totally entertained by it because I'm like, they just it because give it, a yeah, plot point. I have a feeling maybe the movie was longer or something, and somebody's like, cut, cut, cut Could that, have. cut that. Oh. Explanation? Nope. Now nah, we don't need that. Chad said explanations are done too much. Yeah. Or or they were just you know they were like friends of a friend or something. It's like, oh, put me in your movie. It's like maybe he's doing a favor. Maybe he's trying to get laid. Yeah, yeah baby, I'll put you in my maybe. movie. You'll be the drunk girl in my closet. Um, yeah, I mean it's eighties movies are like a a festering uh festering's probably a bubbling pot of creativity. I'll give it I'll give it that for sure. Okay. Because it's literally the writer's going, Hey, what if I have this person do this? Yeah. Okay. Why? Does it serve the plot? No. But I just you know, like there's a woman in the movie who's actually she was on wings um later, but she's like this burgeoning pop star mm-hmm. and her and like uh this guy shows up to sign her to a record label by the way the guy shows up to sign her is bill maher um <laughs> but anyways no explanation why it's important that she becomes that so like that's the first she's in the first half of the movie and then those two characters are gone hmm. so like they spent all this time like she didn't i mean it's okay. I mean, she's a redhead. I love redheads. And there's a scene where she dances in her underwear. So it's like, okay, well, maybe somebody just liked redheads and they wanted her to dance in her underwear. And that's why she was in the movie. Yeah. But that's what you did in the 80s, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the prevalence of cocaine in the of 80s course, might course. have something to do with it as well. Yes. <laughs> People sitting around going, you know what would be a really good idea? <laughs> if we got a redhead. Yeah. Put her, put her in, in her underwear. And got her to dance. All right. What else? I don't know. We just we'll figure out stuff around that. There is one beautiful line though where they're talking about her and they go, they go, you don't understand. She is the Madonna of the eighties. And the other guy looks at him and he goes, I thought Madonna was the Madonna of the eighties. All right, cool. Say, if they left that in there without I was thinking it. That's why it's such a great line that he says it, because you're thinking it, you're like, wait a minute, Madonna, eighties. Hold on. Especially going back and watching it from oh, yeah. now. That was her time. Like that's when she came out. <laughs> uh, I recommend everybody watch like a 
I guess you call that a B movie, right? Uh, yeah. I Watch feel it. like it's hard to gauge like the '80s ones sometimes, because um, like one of my favorite '80s movies is uh, Real Genius. Oh yes, With, back when uh, Val Kilmer was nobody. Yeah, yeah, but it was enough people in that movie where you're going to watch it and you're going to recognize, you know, at least Meg Ryan too, right? Five. Uh, I don't think Meg Ryan. Um, What's the one? I'll look it up right now while you talk. Kimmer, Keep talking. Uh, There's people listening. <laughs> Gabriel Jarrett is like the little boy genius. Um, William Atherton. Uh, he's the sleazy professor and he always plays a really good, oh, yeah. the, you know, the reporter in um, Die Hard. Um, yep. You love to hate the fucking guy. Um, but uh, just like kind of a really good, decent selection of the 80s actors that showed up like uh, uh, Robert Prescott. Um, he plays the little ass kissing um, uh, like teacher's aide uh, uh, antagonist. He, he was in um, Bachelor Party 2 with Tom Hanks and he's great in that one. Um, All these but, people uh, are probably dead now too. That's the sad part. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. No. John Grease is still alive. I think. So many of those 80s actors just like dropped. Yeah. What was the, I mean, um, they're, all, they're all up there. Uh, it's like watching um, what's the one with Rodney Dangerfield? Uh, Back to what, School. Oh, I was going to say Ladybugs. I, I started watching that like, a couple of years ago and I was like, holy shit, Robert Downey Jr. was in this. And I totally yeah. forgot a phase of that guy's career when he was the 80s weirdo yeah. that used to wear like um, frilled shirts. Mm-hmm. Like, for people who don't know what I mean, like um, Shakespearean type shirts, you know, with I like. I want to be a pirate. Yeah, and weird hair. Yeah. And he was in something else as a villain, kind of looking similar, but then he was supposed to be a punk in that. And I'm like, Totally forgot about that phase of his career. But anyways, why'd you bring up Real Genius? I was just saying, because um, with Real Genius, like I feel like with, even though at that point in time, Val Kilmer wasn't, you know, full-on Val Kilmer. You know, he hadn't reached his level. It's It could be nowadays considered a B-movie, but I feel like that's just how the movies were in the 80s. You know, yeah, like, they, were, like they were all kind right? of, yeah, they were all kind of B movies, um, but that's kind of what's awesome about them because even Real Genius has moments where you're just like, "Whoa, how did we get here?" I don't know, whatever. Like, yeah, much like if an amateur, like they they feel very amateur, even though they're not. Um, even though I think now that I say that, I think uh, Real Genius may have been categorized as an indie film. Um, well, I mean, like literally, it was the third thing he had ever done. Yeah, and it's funny that you know, like right before Top Gun, though. I'm looking at the list. I'm not remembering it's for anybody listening. So well, Top Gun was '86, and Real Genius was '85. Oh no, shit! Wow, I didn't really. The only two things he did before that was Top Secret and an afternoon ABC afternoon after school special. Dude, it's crazy. If you look at him in Real Genius, and then compare it to Top Gun. It looks. I mean, you you feel like there's a like almost like a five to ten year difference between like you think the guy you think Val Kimmler is like a, a teenager, yeah, you know, like a child, and then uh, in Top Gun you're like this, you know, this is a man, and yeah. it, it, he just that's, that's crazy talent, right? 
he he's kind of a douchebag as a human being from what I've heard. But I don't know if I was like a really him. talented actor when he wants to be. Yeah. I feel bad now because, you know, it's like, I don't know if you've seen anything of him recently. He, oh, yes. He has the dog box now. Yeah, he's all... But he's... But I, but I he, thought something was, I was hearing where he's getting better doing... He has stuff. to because he's, he's... I mean, if I'm looking at this list right now, they're doing part two, basically, of Top Gun, and he's right. in it. Yeah. So I don't think he could do talk box in a bunch of movies, and he's on one, two, three, four movies that are... Somebody said, yeah. and then somebody quoted it, and then after it got quoted enough times, it became fact. Right, which is... Um, I've, I've come across that kind of thing when it comes to, like, just with, uh, like, language, you know? Um, if something gets pronounced a certain way enough times, it's pretty much become now, like, that's, like... If you go like, oh, that that's not how you say that word, or that's not how you say that name, it's like, well, if it's if it's repeated enough times and it's used enough times, then that just kind of becomes a, an acceptable variation. It's like, well, no, that's not right. You know, it's like St. Patty's Day. It's P A D D Y, not P A T T Y. But Patrick is P A T R. No, it doesn't matter. But because it's been used so much and it's you know manufactured on little fucking flyers and fucking sparkly plastic hats and fucking fake red bullshit beards um, that it just becomes now, even though it's wrong, it's not the right word or the right name or the right spelling. It's now become one of them because it's been used so much and so widely that it's like, it's out of control. Now it's there's no taking it back. It's become a uh, popular, um, popularly accepted. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, that piercing you get under, under your lip, they call it a labret piercing. Uh, you know sure. what I'm talking about? So you know where one of the man's soul patch is? Yeah, the soul patch one. Yeah, if you pierce right there, it's called a labret piercing. Sure, okay. Um, except that the word is labret. <laughs> it's literally a French word spelled in French. Everybody calls it labret. It's labret. Mm-hmm. And anybody in the piercing industry has heard labret, labret, labret. It's labret, labret, labret. Or if you go up to Oregon and you see Williamette, you go, oh, this is Williamette Street. This is the Williamette River. Nope, sorry, Willamette. <laughs> and they are very adamant about that. I know we have some Portland listeners right now that are going, it. hell yes. <laughs> and and that's, that, that, that's probably not a good example because that's, that was somebody's name. So pronunciations, somebody wants to pronounce their name that way, then that's the truth of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, there are tons of those things. It becomes common... Now you, if you if you go in, you, what's sad? Like think about uh, the usage of ironic. You know the word. The, oh, that's ironic. Like when, isn't it ironic that we both showed up at the same time? No, it's not. It's coincidental. Yeah. But now we've used it wrong for so long that it's starting to take on its opposite meaning. Yeah, like that's people use, you know, misuse uh, literally and legitimately. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally. Had a heart attack. You did? Did you go to the hospital? <laughs> no. What, they, what, can, what did they do? Do you have a stint? Did they have to go in? Did they have to operate? I figuratively had a heart attack. I do it sometimes too. I catch myself where I'm like, it literally blew my mind. I'm like, no, no, it didn't. My head is still here. <laughs> it did not blow my mind. Oh, that type of blow. Oh. Uh, my, my God. Oh, I just totally snagged my shirt. Good for me. 
Yeah. Weird, weird topic this week, but totally on my mind because I can't get it off my mind. I'm feeling so much, even after a shitty night's sleep mm-hmm. with the mask, I feel better. Well, because it's, uh, it was a point I was going to bring up earlier when you really started talking about, but I didn't want to break the stride was um, like when you're saying, or when you were describing like kind of seeing it sit there in the corner and all that kind of stuff, it was like, yeah, you're putting it off and you're trying to ignore it, you know, and be like, well, if I don't pay attention to it, then maybe it's not a thing or maybe it'll just kind of go away, it's, which is a common practice. I think most people do. I've experienced that throughout my entire life. I've done it. I've known people that have done it, but it's like, all you're really doing is just experience. You're just exacerbating the, um, that stress and anxiety or you're spreading it just wider and wider and wider. So it's covering up just kind of everything around you and you don't even see the, you know, the horizon of it anymore. Um, but if you, like I thought for a minute when you were saying there's a, you know, uh, a happy ending to this is I thought you were just like getting it like calibrated and doing it with it, acknowledging it and just taking the time to like, make some sort of steps towards having progress with it alleviates some of that. Like, okay, I've, I've, I don't, I'm not putting this off anymore. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've dealt with it and I've taken steps, even though it's not over and done with still, I've taken steps forward and done some sort of progression. Like with me, like I've been stressing and stuff about going to the doctor to get like, you know, my stomach and stuff checked out and all these different things, just fully, you know, having a, a checkup on my health because it's been a, a while. Um, By the way, I have about, something to tell you about that afterwards. Remind me. Worrying about, you know, health and stuff like seeing, you know, people close to me having issues with he- uh, with health or just kind of that being a topic that's just kind of floating around everywhere. It's like, well, I keep putting off mine. So I kind of, even if I'm not stressing about it in the front of my brain, on the back of my brain, you know, kind of subconsciously, I'm like still like that's feeding into my anxiety and my panic attacks and my stress and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like finally now, you know, getting, you know, enough um, push, you know, um, and like kind of sometimes you need out, outward um, kind of kick in the ass to get shit done. Um, yeah. You need to be terrified for your life. Like I'm going to have a heart attack. Or not even that, but just like, you know, well, my somebody, case, was- yeah, somebody around, you know, being like, look, just fucking just do it, you know, and like kind of being like a Jiminy Cricket voice of like, hey, fucking take care of some shit, you know, just even if it's just, you know, making the appointment or making the phone call. <clears throat> so I haven't actually finally done that. It kind of alleviated a little bit. Right. You know, I mean, I've got, I've got a plethora of things to be fucking, ang- you know, anxious and stressed about. So there's no shortage of that for me, but it's like, at least it's like, okay, cool. I feel like one thing that I've been like, uh, that's a daily, you know, bother of mine is now kind of, it's not, gone but it's closer to being gone it's just closer to being handled closer to being um managed better um you know going to see the dentist you know all these kind of things that you're like oh god but it's like you just take a minute to step back and be like how much better is it going to be after the fact you know yeah the process like the between the now of not doing anything about it and the after when you've done something about it and gotten through it and can move on that space in between where you actually kind of have to go through the, the grunt work and the fucking um, trudge through the mud to get there 
yeah, it might not be awesome. It might not be enjoyable. It might be kind of uncomfortable, especially if you're having to like do like, you know, a type of procedure or who know or whatever the fuck it is, whatever the topic might be. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be better though on the app, on the, on the back end because you've now removed that looming cloud that's just been fucking raining on your parade all this time. And it's like, right. you can slowly start to get away, get, get rid of one of those at a time or two of them at a time, or however you are able to manage it, then you'll just as, um, kind of gradually that you fell into that or found yourself in that boiling pot of water, you're now getting out of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, uh, there's, I think it, yeah, it was this week's episode on of Tim Ferriss. Uh, his podcast, he talked to this guy called uh, Safi Bacall. And one of the parts of the, it's a very interesting and wide-ranging conversation that's about three hours long. Um, but somewhere in there, they have a long talk about depression because Tim has suffered from depression, um, suicidal ideation, and all of this. And one of the things that he says in there that just, I was like, oh, that's so true is he says one of the hardest parts is feeling like this is never going to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's no light at the end of this tunnel. This is the way things are. It's never going to get better. So like the happy ending for me is not even like, yes, it's a happy ending that I'm healthier. That's huge for me. But like more when I said that, what I was referring to is uh, it's that if depression and sleep anxiety, uh, sleep apnea, and anxiety, you know, the three of them are connected for you. And hopefully, I, if I'm right, maybe for a lot of people, mm-hmm. then that depression, that thing that you feel like, you know, that cloud that you, like you said, yeah, you're going to have, that you feel like you're going to have to carry for the rest of your life and battle, mm-hmm. then maybe you don't. Yeah. You know, that maybe, and I'm not doubting that there are literally people who just have chemical imbalances that have anxiety for no other reason. There's no physical problem that causes that. But if you're one of the people that has it because of something that requires you to wear a fucking mask when you go to sleep, trust me, it's better to go through the pain of wearing the mask than the suffering yeah. of the anxiety. And you know, like pain and, and, and suffering, those two different things. Pain you can't control. Pain comes in life. Mm-hmm. Suffering's a choice. We choose to suffer. Yeah. And so we've talked about that before where there's the whole thing of people choosing, you know, everything's a choice. Right. Allowing certain things to continue and not get better does come down to just making a choice, whether or not you're aware of making the choice or not, or understanding the choices you make are affecting different, um, different uh, aspects of your life than what you just see in front of you. Well, and one of the one of the really important things to point out here too is all of the health stuff is number one, of course. But there's also another side of this, a very very comparatively small, but in the context of the show, extremely important side is your brain's going to work better, which means that all of the things you know, like when we talk about wanting to do creative things and all of the stuff that like you and I want to do, the audience wants to do that they have, are trying to do or haven't done at all. If you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with being exhausted, 
you're carrying this heavy weight and trying to do those things in the whole time. Imagine if you could get rid of all that stuff, how much shit you could actually do. You know, you could actually like all of a sudden, you know, like who knows, maybe this like tiredness, you know, this is one of the things I got excited about when he said, your brain's going to start working better. I started thinking, I'm like, what if, you know, like if, if I've really had this as long as I think I have, what if I'm not as lazy as I think I am? <laughs> now, like, what if the reason that I have so much, because there's so many times where there are things that I want to do, like I want to work on my novel and I don't because I just can't muster the willpower to do it. What if that's not a weakness of my character? What if I've just been exhausted? Yeah. No, I mean, think of how, how often did you're just like, God, I'm just so lethargic today. You know, I'm, even today, you burn out, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Do I have energy? So I took a nap with mm-hmm. the machine. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I got a little bit of energy and it was only like a 15 minute nap but just it's so possible that some of those things that we think are you know like oh you're just you just don't have the willpower or the grit maybe you have an extreme okay uh, for example this is what one metaphor that I thought of somebody who's got fat that they can't get rid of on their belly mm-hmm. but does has been for 10 years has been doing sit-ups, mm-hmm. but they just can't get rid of that fat. Like for example, um, I didn't mean to connect this, but one of the, the causes, uh, one of the things you can get from sleep apnea is a fat gut mm-hmm. because cortisol has been linked in some studies to growing fat around your stomach. Interesting. Um, so people who can't seem to get rid of that, no matter how much they exercise could be from that. So imagine you're that person. And you've been doing these sit-ups for all these years. And then all of a sudden, the fat, you figure out a way. We'll say in this case, uh, using the CPAP, all of a sudden you start to lose that fat. Mm. What are you going to find underneath? You're not going to find a normal stomach. You're going to find this ripped-ass stomach (laughs) that's been there because you've been doing the sit-ups. The muscle has been built. And I think about that in a mental way where if you've been struggling with all these things and you've been exhausted and you didn't know it, you might think that you all this time, like I did, like, man, my willpower sucks. But then that goes away. You're not going to find out that you just have normal willpower. You're going to find you have this fucking gnarly super willpower because the fact that you were able even to attempt during the stages of, of depression, anxiety, and exhaustion has made you a superhero and you don't even fucking know it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I, I know myself, there's a, a times and also there's a lot of people I know that... um I've heard that it's almost like they always feel like they're just on the cusp of being able to like yes accomplish these things and get it done or like you know you're just on the verge of um really um just making all of these things come to fruition that you've been wanting to do and you know either would it be creative wise or not but it's that like it's that unnamed veil just kind of or blanket just kind of draped over you and or in between you and the the rest of the path. Um, so I feel like that those are the people that are, you know, that kind of mentally shredded as like your, you know, to use your, uh, your situational scenario, you know, they've been doing all that work and they've been trying so hard and it's like, yeah. I'm like 99% there, but there's just that really big 1%, that last hump that's just stopping me. And uh, I guess it's just, I guess it's just me, you know, and it's like, maybe it's, it's not so, you. 
it's so it's like tar. Yeah, you know, like you're in this pit of tar. Like a, a great example of this is, I love reading. Everybody that listens to the show, everybody that knows me, knows that there's at least one thing that's always going to come up in a conversation is books. I love reading. And I understand the books I read. It's not like I've been, you know, like it's lowered my IQ and I've been reading these books going, what was that book? You know, like I understood what I was reading, but I would get to the end and I would look at people who did book reviews and who would do breakdowns of books and go, I have the knowledge to be able to do that. I've read the books. I've read other books that I can connect it to. I have a brain that works analytically in that way. and that sounds interesting. Yet I could never do it. because, And it, this isn't even a willpower thing. I literally... I would try to do things like that and I couldn't make the connections. Obviously, I can't give 100% credit, but part of that is a misfiring brain. You know, where it's like tired. You think about that when you're tired and you just can't remember a word. Now try that on a higher functioning level where you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to relate this to Hamlet. Oh... How does that, what, what, what happens in that scene again? And you're just in that tar. And that's one of my hopes. I'm crossing, literally crossing my fingers right now, hoping that as I get used to this machine and I start sleeping more and more, that my brain at least wipes off. I'd be happy with half that tar gone. Yeah. I'd be happy with anything less than the tar that I have now because it's one step above where I am. Because it's been so many things that I want to do have been such such a struggle, and I don't understand why. I literally, I literally would sit for a half hour in silence and go, "What is wrong with me? Like, am I just am I dysfunctional? I mean, it would start to affect my my self esteem even. Like, it's like, am I yeah. broken? Like, yeah. or am I? Am, maybe I'm maybe I'm stupid, and I just think I'm smart." Like maybe I could read these books and I think I understand them, but I can't make connections. So I just going through all this stuff and I just could never figure out why that, like you said, that, you know, that, that little bit, you know, almost like there's a, um, a moat. Mm-hmm. And, and like, why can't I just make that one little, you know, it's a three foot moat. Why can't I just get that other three feet? Yeah. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. No, I, uh... What if it totally changed the show? <laughs> well, like, man, actually, I mean, you know that refers to the 16th century. <laughs> <laughs> that won't happen. I, I I feel like most days I'm in that that boat of just like I'm too too lethargic to fucking really function at my peak, even though I know I can and I know I want to. Um, you should get a sleep apnea test. I'll bring it up to my. I mean, like, see, I'm like. Made the appointment. Seeing my doctor on uh, on Wednesday, I got a lot of shit. I'm trying yeah. to like write down, remind myself of things that are like, hey, this is you know stuff been bothering me because it's been literally for a couple years now. Like, oh, I need to go to the doctor talk about this. Oh, I need to go to the doctor talk about this. Oh, I need to see my doctor talk about this. It's like I got to try to remember all these fucking things that I've been saying over the past fucking two years. I'm like, I need to fucking find out what's up. Yep. Check this out. Do this. Like uh, you said, putting shit off. It just it's an extra yeah. burden. All you're doing is just piling it up somewhere else. It's still and there. it's getting worse in the process too, right? Yeah, and it's just getting bigger. And then it's like then it's just overwhelming because then it's that's a new stress and new kind of um, kind of an ah fuck type moment because then you're like 
God, there's so much of it now. Um, like, I don't even know how do I fucking make my way through all this. It's worse than in, when I just had the one really bad thing. Now I got 15 fucking really bad things. Or right. Well, I hope everybody <sighs> listening also is willing to go out there, step over the stigma, and get tested. Worst thing that happens is you find out you don't have it. No, you just okay. got a new fucking mattress. You got one thing marked off the list. You're like, it's not that. Cool. Move on. You know, you know what would be hilarious right now? Is if we ended this episode and at the end, I'd be like, this episode has been brought to you by, and I named <laughs> by ResMed, the number one leading <laughs> maker of CPAP machines. <laughs> I've heard podcasts do that. That's and I don't know that they did it intentionally. It just happened to be the sponsor. Yeah. But like, there's an episode and you're like, do you, did you listen to the episode beside, before you decided to tack on your ad and realized <laughs> that you sound like a douche? <sighs> I was like, you're full of shit. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. So um, if you want to support the show, I, I really, really would appreciate it. Um, I do a lot of work for the show. I want to keep doing it. And your support would mean the world to me. You can go to patreon.com forward slash holy fool productions. And you, if you do that and you become, uh, you pick the levels of where you're available to the content, there's like almost, I'm hitting almost 100 posts of stuff there. For you to look at between audio and writing things and lists and stuff like that that I put in there. Um, if you want to keep up with Mr. Tom, you can find him on Instagram as sir.beardo. And uh, if you want to follow Mr. Latte on uh, Instagram. <laughs> so yes, let's say if you want to follow me pretending to be my dog, yeah, um, you can find uh, Latte like the drink. It's all one word. And of course, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, or they're both random badassery, all one word. And of course, if you dug this episode and you're listening in Overcast, hit the star. Hit it now. Star. Star. Yeah. Man, we're number one in arts right now. That's incredible. Thank you guys. Let's stay mind there. blowing. Yeah, totally. Like, like you said, we beat Come Town. We beat out Come Town. <laughs> How is that an arts podcast? But anyways, uh, also, please share this episode with a friend. And of course, always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That shit's important. I don't know why, but it is. It gets us in front of more eyes or more ears. I don't know how that happens, but I don't need to know. They tell two friends, and then they tell two friends, and then they tell two friends. Spread it like, a, like a venereal disease. Whoa, hey. It's... <laughs> Okay, bye-bye, babies. Bye-bye. confident and full of personality you'd get laid a lot hey put the fucking video game controller down go outside fucking put on a clean shirt uh i don't know talk to people uh you know i mean okay it's
and it's hard because you can't tell what every single person's, you know, of course, situation has been. You know, maybe they were raised and grew up in a situation where they weren't really given, you know, a, a nurturing or you know a positive example of self confidence and um, self worth and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's so many things you can play into it, but you can't. You know, one of my favorite can't te- blame it on other people. Right. One of my favorite teachers growing up said one of the best things I ever heard and I wasn't even probably fucking 10 years old yet and he's like look at the whole class and he's talking about different things and kind of how the shitty the world is and going over stuff and he's like anytime you point a finger at someone just know that there's three more fingers pointing back at you than what's pointing at them I'm like yes that's 100% correct if I'm going to start trying to blame others for my my woes and my sorrows and all that kind of shit I times that by three. What did I? How, you know, what did I do? So, and what have I done to try to fix it? If you allow the world to take you down, and you allow, and you just let the avalanche of, you know, play the violin for me. Oh, everything. Oh, okay, nothing just comes to like that's a mentality these days. And I guarantee, I want to know the age range for these fuckers. Like, when did fucking this stuff start happening? Because I guarantee you, it's it correlates to the mentality that happens nowadays and I, I've seen it so many times I've worked with people like this and they're just constantly just expecting everything to be handed to them and get upset when it's like, well, I should be in this position because, because, you know, I deserve it. Okay. Well, why do you deserve it? Because I should, I, I should have it. Why you haven't given me anything yet to tell me that you accomplished that position or that, you know, um, uh, you've earned that right to move up and to be recognized in that way. No. So, okay, if you just sit there and you've literally done nothing and you're, you know, celibate and you're claiming that it's because because girls don't like me. Okay, well, how, what, just how many have you tried to, you know, get to know? How many have you tried? Oh, you're just, just trying to get laid or you're just not even never going out and trying out, but you just watch, uh, you know, E all the time.